0: Why don't you get a seat? That'd be wonderful. We just want to talk today about that God. We want to talk about our response to Him and the response that we have as we worship Him. And as we come together and do that, corporately is what we're going to talk a little bit about today. I'm so excited for that. I'm just so excited also for the song we taught you today. Um, We've actually had this on the uh, plan to sing for about four months now. And just specifically for this day, uh, we've saved it for this day so we could talk about worship. And uh, what a powerful song. Uh, When you look at all of creation worshiping, you talk about the whole gospel story in that song. And uh, we'll be doing that more over the next coming months. Uh, And specifically, we'll be doing that for Easter Sunday when we talk about the resurrection and what God's done for us. Um, through Jesus being resurrected from the dead. So I'm so excited about that and looking forward to it. And just welcome all of you, and you made it through the snow. Some of you had snow, some of you didn't. Some of you are disappointed. You didn't get it, and you'll never trust the weather people again. (laughs) Right? I know how that goes, and I really do. And so it was one of those kind of storms. In fact, those of you who live this way may not know, but only about two blocks over, there's no snow. And then the rest of the way, there's no snow. Just right here, it dumped right on top of our little church, uh, and so that we could have a white day today together And so I just want to welcome, especially if you're watching online or you're on Facebook live And just encourage you to uh, make this t- sometime come here And engage with us here, but I understand why the weather might have kept you away today So the series that we're in is called Why We Do That And we're talking about why we do the things that we do when we come here And we come here together And so when we get to this idea today, we're going to talk about worship We're going to be talking about why do we do the things that we do that we call Worship when we come together. We're talking about ways that we can engage, um, and these aren't like rules to keep. These aren't boxes to check. Uh, It's a process, it's uh, a way of looking at engaging with God so that we grow in intimacy with Him. That's the whole goal. We grow in intimacy with Him, and then we impact the world for Him because of the relationship we developed with Him. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to Grab these message notes. They'll help you out today. Uh, And these will be uh, all the verses that we'll use will be here. If you have your Bible, you want to look in Psalm 95. Psalm 95, that's where we'll be. And just mention right now, if you don't own a Bible, I'd love to give you one. And you'll find some right out on the shelves as you leave today. It'd be our gift to you because as we're going to talk a little bit, uh, without this book, uh, our worship is empty and it'll become me centered. And that's why we need to center it on what this book actually is. Says to us so right at the top there 's our theme verse. <clears throat> I want to read it to tell you why we 're doing this series. It says, By his divine power and so we talked about this already that it 's not something that I work up it 's not energy that I have to create on my own, uh, and that I am guided by him, but i 'm also empowered by him to do this. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life, so we have that. And so if we have everything, we have to what? We just have to access it, right? And so it's right there for us. We received all this by coming to know him. So that's the whole goal, is coming to know him, and that's developing intimacy. So uh, we experience the life he calls us to live when we get to know him better and better. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And so also there's the key idea right underneath that. It says we do what we do so that we become who God made us to be. So the question is, why do we do that? Why do we do what we do? We do what we do so that we can become who God made us to be. The people he made us to be so we can have the relationship with him that he made us to have and experiencing him and growing in our intimacy with him. So I just want to encourage you today, especially maybe this is your first time and you're at church and you're thinking, you know, I came to church today and I'm just expecting a bunch of rules and regulations or I'm expecting it to be, uh, I'm speaking a language I can't understand. I just want you to understand today that this message is for all of us, that we can all get this. And so we're not asking you to check boxes. We're not giving you rules and regulations. I'm just giving you, I'm trying to help every one of us out. I want every one of us to be able to grow in intimacy with him. Because when we grow in intimacy with him, then we're going to have the life <coughs> that we all desire to live as we do that together. So today we're going to talk about <coughs> the joy that we can have as we worship God, and then the influence we can have as we experience him in worship as well. And so this intimacy with him results in worship of him. So I'll just say this. First of all, worship is one of the primary things that human beings were made to do. So every one of us, we have within us, we have built inside, it's our DNA, it's our genetic code, it's in our operating system that we would worship something. Every one of us. We all worship something. And so the, thing, the idea is that if we're all made to worship something then the idea is for God to say, I want you to worship me. And anytime you're worshiping anything except me, guess what? You're heading for disaster. And you're not going to know intimacy with him. We were made to worship. And we will worship something. So we always have to be on guard. We always have to be on guard about what we're choosing to place our trust in and worship. This is why when God gave his people the, I'll call it the 10 rules of engagement, the 10 rules of relationship, we call them the 10 commandments. The first three are all about him and all about putting him first. That you would say, There's no other gods before me, so no other allegiance before him, he would say. He would say, No other gods that you form or make on your own, by your own will, by your own power, by your own doing. And he says that you will never profane my name, by your life or the words out of your mouth. You'll never profane my name. And what he's saying there is he's saying, only me shall you worship. And worship is then he says, holding me, holding him in highest regard, looking at him in the highest of ways. Now, this is so essential for us to kind of start here today and to understand that as we jump into this. Because if we don't understand this, then we're going to miss out on the life, the intimacy that we want to have with him. But we're also going to miss out on the flourishing that he has designed us to experience and that he wants us to bring end of the world. So worship is important to our growth and our maturity in Jesus. And so here's our definition of worship. We worked this out about, I don't know, 15 years ago. I don't know, time flies. Could have been more. So we worked this out a long time ago. And the worship, the definition we have is this. You want to fill this in. My passionate response to all that God is with all that I am. My passionate response to all that God is with all that I am. Now I want you to write there on your notes as well, where it says passionate response, I want you to write the word heart there. It's right above it, write the word heart. And then it says this, to all that God is, and I want you to write the word mind. I want you to write the word mind there. And it says this, it says with all that I am, and write the word will there, with will. And so those are going to be the three components that we're going to look at today of worship that God has called us to engage in, that will help us to experience him. So according to uh, 1 Corinthians 10 31, and uh, one, usually when I teach about worship, I start with 1 Corinthians 10 31. It's not in your notes. You might want to look it up sometime. But 1 Corinthians 10 31 says this, in whatever you do, in word or deed, whatever you drink, wherever you go, do it for the glory of God, whatever you do. And so we typically talk about that. And we say that we talk about worship, we're talking about a lifestyle So that everything I do is meant to be done as worship for God. So here's what you need to understand. You need to think about your life right now. What you're doing right now. Where you go this week. The things you say. Everything you do is either giving worship to God or worship to yourself. Worship to God or worship to yourself. And what God says, whatever you do, I want you to be thinking. Is this bringing honor and glory to my name? That is challenging, folks. We live from that perspective. So we do that for him. But we're not talking about that today, okay? We're talking about something we do when we come together. Specifically, we're going to talk about corporate worship today. And we gather together in our worship gatherings. So why do we do this? Why do we gather together like this? I'm going to come back and talk again about this in a couple of weeks from a different perspective. But today I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of worship. So we believe that the Bible teaches that gathering together to worship God is essential to our faith and essential with our intimacy with God. That's why we do it. And that's why we encourage you that you would be here as often as you can. Because when you gather with your family, you gather with your people, that this is essential to your growth. So you're going to see in just a few minutes, five different times in Psalm 95, five different times, the psalmist uses two words. And so when we go through this today, I'm going to kind of go through this little piece by piece. I want you to be aware of those words, those two words. You might underline them as God to bring it out to you. Two words, and the two words are, let us, let us, let us. What he's doing is he's reminding us that we are called, all of us are called to engage. All of us are invited to engage together with him. It's called corporate worship. Now, it doesn't say, oh, let me. See, oh, let me. And that's one of the dangers. And I think in our, in our culture right now, and especially with the individualism that goes on, uh, and most people today, is that we're really most concerned about me. So even sometimes we sing, we are all thinking about me and thinking about me and what I'm getting and what I need. And it's all about me and it's me, 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 me. But it's really, there's a whole lot more to us gathering together in worship. So he's calling us to this corporate idea. So corporate just means family. It means together. It means our grouping, that we come together to worship him. So for the next few minutes, I'm just going to talk about how we worship God corporately, and then we're going to talk about how to do that. So why is first, and it's important. We know the why. And so I would just say this. This is why we do that as we look at this from Psalm 95. First is this, passionate worship engages our hearts. It engages our hearts. It engages our emotions. Now, this is not talking about your personality type. Because, you know, some people would say, well, you know, some people are more outgoing and more expressive, and I'm just not. And so if you ask me to be outgoing and expressive, you're asking me not to be true to myself. Uh, That's not exactly what the Bible says. You you can be true to yourself, and you can express your emotions. Some of us have to learn how to do that. It's not natural. But as we learn how to do it, then we're able to have more opportunities to experience him. Here's what he says in verses 1 and 2. Come, let us, bless what? Sing for joy. Now, there's an emotion. There's a feeling. Let's come before him joyfully to the Lord let us shout aloud. So it's exuberance, energy, and it's loud. And so one of the things I think that Twin Cities does well is we worship loud. Okay. And so we, it's right out of the Bible. Anyone who wants to complain about the volume of our music, it's right here. Okay, it's right here. Blame God, not us. Here we go. So got that. Rock of our salvation. Let us, let us what? Let us come before him. So we're coming in and being entered into his place with thanksgiving, lots of feeling and thanksgiving, lots of emotion in that. Let us extol him. Let us build him up. Let us make much of him in everything we do with music and song. Music and song. So, what he's saying is when we come to worship, it's, you know, it's just really so hard. You know, I just, just want to say this it's so hard. You're sitting in chairs and rows. And it feels like you're kind of like in school, and I'm the principal. <laughs> and so you come in sometimes, you're just afraid you're going to do the wrong thing, that I'm going to notice in some way, or someone around you is going to notice. So I agree that sometimes the setting a, makes it a little bit complicated, so we have to overcome the setting by not being afraid of the setting, right? But, but just, a, just, a, just this is the way it is. And so we're going to be able to exhibit emotion, even if we're in a room that may not Make us feel emotionless. So he says it's to sing joyfully, to make a joyful noise, to shout to the Lord. And so he's saying that music moves us, moves our soul. Would anybody else say that? Say music moves your soul? Oh, my goodness gracious. When you watch a movie without sound, it's like, oh, my goodness, what's happening here? And then you watch a movie, and it tells the story through the music? My word. My favorite movie. One of my favorite movies ever is the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Now, it's a great, it's got a wonderful story. It's got, as Dave talked about, scenery. It's got beautiful scenery uh, that you can look at. You're just so moved by that. But the music score that went with that movie is incredible. And so I, I probably, you know, Kim and I, I bet we guess how many times? 10, 30, 30 times, okay. <laughs> Because I'm always they say, what movie do you want to watch? I say Walter Mitty every time. Because the music is so moving. And see, folks, that's what music does for us. For some of us today, when all of a sudden Dave stopped at the end of So Will I, and he went into a, just kind of a breakdown there of how great the art, some of you just went, oh, finally, music I like. <laughs> but you were feeling that the... the, the Passion that maybe you had felt somewhere in the past when you sang that song from history. Others of you, when you sang So Will I, you were moved, just on and on. We're moved by music. And they're listed as primary ways we're to worship God. So that means when we come together, we're going to sing. We're going to sing. And when we engage in him, when we're singing, is to, so we can engage with our emotions. And so the reason we sing up front almost every time, sometimes we might not, but the reason we sing up front almost every time is that that music softens our hearts and opens it, up, opens it up emotionally, gets us in touch with some feelings, so that then by the time we get to the message, we're open to maybe what God wants to say through his word, through his truth. So we do that. Worship gets us in touch with our feelings, and so this is why some of us are a little afraid of it, because we've got some pretty deep feelings on the inside. We're kind of a, We keep them stuffed down. And... That's why sometimes when we sing, we cry. That's why sometimes when we sing, we just can't help it. Our hands just shoot up because all of a sudden there's a feeling that's so strong. And so it opens it up to the feelings that we have on the inside. When we worship, we're encouraged. We're encouraged to get in touch with our emotions and feelings. But that's not it because if that was it, we would simply say it's all about emotion And so every week we'll plan a service, and it'll all be about, you know, uh, manipulating feelings. That's not what it is at all. Uh, But it allows us to open ourselves up to feelings that we need to be in touch with, folks. And then secondly is this. Passionate worship engages our minds. Engages our minds. It engages our intellect. Worship helps us focus on the truth about God, who he is, and what he's done. And so in that song, So Will I, that's what it was. It was all truth. Truth. I, I, it was big truth. You know, hundred billion, thousand, gazillion times truth. It's one thing I love about that song. It talks about the immensity of God and what he's done. And so it, we're, we come to him and we want to ha- engage our minds. And that's what he goes, the psalmist goes on to do here in verses 3 through 5. He says, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. That's a wonderful picture. And so those of us who are nature buffs, we read those words, and it really helps us to, uh, once again, engage emotionally. But this is great truth. This is a great truth that we can hold on to, that God has made everything. This is who God is, and this is what He's done. And so, worship is based on here's a great word theology. I cannot have true worship without theology. As Jesus said, they will worship me in spirit and in theology, in truth. It's based upon the truth about God. And this is why worship must always be, you know, first and foremost, it must be based on. God's word, on God's truth to us and what he says. And this is why worship must come from this, this book and why so many of the songs that we sing and we've sung for thousands of years, 2,000 to be exact, of the church of Jesus Christ is that they're based upon the words of this book. They come right out of this book. They take us back to this book. They draw us into this book because in this book is the truth. And the psalmist declares truth here. He says, the Lord God is a great God. And he says this, guess what? Nothing is greater than God. Not government, not politics, not your enemies, not the the things that are coming against you, not disease, nothing is greater than God. And he knows that God is the king now, so he's not just great, he's the king, and he's the one that is over all things, he rules all things, and therefore as king, he is worthy of all of our adoration and all of our praise. And then he says God owns everything, so everything is God's, it's all created by him, it's all sustained by him, and he's called us to submit to him as the owner, and we are the managers of everything that he has made. He's created everything, everything with his hands he made, it says. And there's nothing, therefore, out of his reach. There's nothing that's over his head. There's nothing that's beyond his scope. Nothing at all. He's the great creator, sustainer of the world. And the psalmist just reminds us of that. There's just theology here. And then the third thing in Psalm 95 is this worship engages my will, my will. It engages my actions. So it goes on in verse six, and he says this Come, let us. There's number four, let us act. So let us bow down in worship. And the Hebrew word for worship it actually means to be prostrate, to be on my face in some way. And I don't, it wasn't meaning physically but it means emotionally, it means in our heart, but sometimes it is physically that I would do that. Let us kneel before before the God, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. So there it is, hear his voice. He's calling us that we would submit and surrender to him. So worship engages our emotions and engages our minds as we proclaim the truth about God, we sing the truth about God. That's why when we pick songs that we sing here, we analyze them. We go through them. It's not just about whether it feels good. We want to make sure that every song we sing has correct theology and correct truth that we're actually offering. But it's not just about my heart. It's not just about my mind. It's also about my will or my hands. It's also about my being willing to do what he's asked me to do? Am I going to submit to him? And am I going to surrender to him? Am I going to kneel before him? Am I going to say to God, you're God and I'm not. I'm going to let you call all the shots. It's not just to feel strong emotions. It's not just to learn deep truth. Some of you have learned deep truth and there was no emotion and there was no action. And so you just have a lot of knowledge. And, so, and I think that's one of the problems with Christianity is that too many Christians are filled with information and they haven't submitted to transformation and what God wants to do in them. So we have to have more than that. Worship includes submission to God's will, and that, and that leads, submission to God's will. Listen, listen to this. Here's your act of worship. Your life has changed. You are different. You are no longer the same. It's not just to know God. It's not just enough to know him. It's not just enough to have strong feelings about him. Not just enough to have a lot of information about him. True worship must include submission and obedience to God. It must include that. So now what I want to do is I want to read this quote from Eugene Peterson. And uh, just read it for you. It's on the screens here. And it says this, Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. I could do my whole message on that one sentence. We interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves. Who do you think about most? Yourself. In every situation. In fact, some of you, you sometimes you leave church. None of you here do this, okay? I'll just say that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean <laughs> some of you. In some churches, when people leave, <laughs> they say something like this. I didn't get anything out of that today. Did you get anything out of that today? What's that song? What's that song they did today? Oh, my. What was he talking about? I didn't get anything out of this at all today. And when you say that, guess who is the center of your attention? Yourself. Thank you. It's preoccupation with yourself. And so when we come here, we have to change. Instead of being preoccupied with ourselves, when we come here, what we're going to say is, oh, my word, when I'm here... God, God is the audience, and I'm the performer. I'm here to perform for God. So I'm not here to receive. It's not what I get out of this. Instead, it's what I give to this. So if you've been thinking sometimes that your church experience has been dry or empty, it just could be that you're preoccupied with yourself. And your own needs and your own preferences and your own hurts and your own desires when God wants you to be focused and preoccupied on Him. He goes on to say this. And attend to the presence of God. So we focus on God. If we don't attend regularly, attend to God regularly and worship, we have no chance of attending to God at all at all other times and all other places. So this is why, once again, I'll say, I want you to be here as often as you can because if you're not attending to God corporately together... Because, see, when you attend to God corporately, you're not in charge. That's another reason why people want to do it just me because they can be in charge. But when you come corporately, you're not in charge and you submit to what's happening and what's going on around you. So then, now... How do we worship passionately? Turn your notes on the backside if you haven't done that yet. I'm going to give you three ideas, and they're going to fit in with the three words that we've used the entire time that we've been together today. And the first one is, we gather to sing to God. We gather to sing to God, and so I'll say it this way, we gather to engage our hearts. We gather to engage our feelings. We gather to sing to God. So corporate worship in the Bible always includes singing. And so when we come together, we're going to sing. So we're going to sing when we come together in our worship with him. Because when we sing, as we've already talked about, it it allows me to get in touch with my emotions and my heart. And the the, the psalmist, just think about this. In the Psalms, there are 150 psalms. 47, one-third of the psalms all have a command to sing to God. One-third of them. Command us to sing songs to God. Here's one right here. I put it on your notes 147.1. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. So we praise and we sing our praises to God. Here's another one sing a new song of praise to Him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with. Joy, Sing with joy. So we're going to come, and you know what? It says that we should do it skillfully. And so um, for those of us who are non-skilled at singing, that is it's not going to include us. And those of us who are skilled, it is. Uh, but also what I think it means here, and this is what we take very seriously for the people who help us worship, is that we are going to be as skillful as we can be. We're going to practice. It's going to be with excellence. And it's going to be done in a way that would be called skillful. It comes right out of the Bible. We want to do it with excellence. Singing is important to our intimacy to God, and so here's and that and so that's why we do it. Now, I just want to be honest and just say it right here: um, some of us don't like to sing. You know, some of us just have an aversion to singing. I, I would guess probably twenty percent of us, thirty percent, have an aversion to singing. And so, you know, you might be thinking as I'm talking right now, and you're thinking, well having a hard time, thinking that you're asking me to sing. So you might be thinking right now, say, Ron, I just don't sing. I'm not musical. I don't sing in the shower. I don't hum. I don't even whistle. I don't sing the national anthem. I don't even sing happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't sing. Some of you, that may be what you're thinking right now. In fact, some of you would say this. I've heard this, actually. In fact... I don't like singing, and so I'm going to make sure that I miss out on the first part of the services where the singing is, and then I don't have to feel awkward. And so I come in late, or I stay in the lobby and have my coffee, and I come in after the singing and make myself at home. I just honest, I don't understand that thinking. I just don't get it at all. So what I want to do as a non-singer, I want to ask you this. Anyone who has an aversion to singing and you think that that's something that is not natural for you. as um, I'm just going to encourage you to ask God to make it a matter of prayer. If God asks you to do something, he's going to give you the ability. He's going to give you the desire. So I make it a matter of prayer and ask him that he will help you to push beyond your hesitancy to sing. And uh, maybe, maybe just start by humming. Just start there. And just allow yourself to see what that does, and you're able to be moved by, you know, for non-singers, I'll just say it for us non-singers, it's always a sacrifice to sing. For the people standing around non-singers, it's always a sacrifice when they sing (laughs) Uh, to be there. So singing is one of the expressions, but it's just not everything. It's not just about us when we sing. This is what it says in Ephesians 5. I'm going way off, way off my notes a lot today, so bear with me. So it says this, be filled with the spirit speaking to one another. So underline that speaking to one another with Psalms. So what do we speak to one another? We speak Psalms, hymns, and songs. So what he's saying there is that when we sing, we're speaking to each other. We're talking to each other. And he says this, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord Always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says here, and we sing together, that we are actually speaking to each other. And I'll say it another way, we're actually speaking over each other. God's promises, God's blessings. When we worship, we're declaring our faith, we're declaring our belief, we're declaring our trust, our reliance on God, we're doing that to each other. And singing helps us express God's goodness. Speaking to one another. Speaking to one another. We sing, we're speaking about God to each other out loud. We're speaking to the mind of each person who's here. We're speaking to the heart of each person who's here. We're speaking to the will or the hands of each person who is here. We're singing about God's goodness. We're singing about God's greatness. And so each week we have hundreds of people who come in here. We have hundreds of people who watch us online every week. And they are struggling. They're struggling with hurt, pain, suffering, sin, brokenness, sickness, discouragement, depression, disappointment. Their lives are unraveling. Their marriages are falling apart. Their family may be in crisis. Their finances are in a wreck. Their decisions are unclear. And they need to be reminded first that there's a God who loves them and that there's a God who cares and that there's a God who promises them that he will be with him. And when we worship together, when we do that and we're united in heart, we're united in mind and will, we are reminded ourselves as we sing, but we're reminding everyone around us that God is with them and God is for them. God is with them and for them. I just want to say one more thing and then I'll move on about this singing thing. There will be times that you can't sing. You're a singer, but there will be times when you can't sing because life has dealt you such a hard blow, circumstances are so overwhelming that really you can't even get it out. There will be those times. I've been in those times. And what happens in those times when we come is that we stand and we cry. And I've sobbed standing. But because the people around me were singing, they were encouraging me, and they were helping me to have hope that God was for me, and God was with me, and that I could make it through this difficulty and this circumstance. That's another reason why we need to sing, because there are people around you who are relying on your faith and your confidence in God when you sing to him. And when we do that, we encourage them as well, second thing is this: we gather to focus on God, to focus on God, and this would be with our minds. So we do this is the thinking part. Another way I could have said it would have been listen to God, or hear from God. So when we see when we worship, that's what happens, and so it's why it's important that we you know base it on the truth when we sing theology or we engage with theology, worship and singing has a way of bringing God front and center to our thinking. Colossians 3 says this, Let the message, the word, the theology, the truth of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, as you speak it out, and then as you admonish one another with all wisdom. Once again, how? Through singing. Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing with gratitude in your heart. So we teach God's truth through our messages for sure, but we also teach God's truth through our songs. We sing songs of truth. We sing songs of promise. We sing songs of dedication. We sing songs of prayerful surrender. We sing songs that proclaim who God is. We sing songs that proclaim what God is doing. And we sing songs that talk about our relationship with him, how we're relying on him and coming to him. This next verse highlights how you can learn about God through worship. Psalm 59 says, Oh, my strength, speaking to God, to you I sing praises, for you, O God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. So God is the strength of our hearts. He's the personal God for each of us. And when we sing, we're rehearsing the truth, the theology about him. And then lastly, we gather to surrender to God. We gather to surrender to God. Gather to surrender to him. I come back to... I know I spent most of my time on the singing part. And a little bit of time on the truth part. And I'm going to have even less time here. But this is the most important point. This is the most important point. Notice what it says in Hebrews 13. It says this. Let us continually... You might underline that. Continually. Offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of his lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for such sacrifices God is pleased. So worship is actually sacrifice. Worship is actually surrender. Worship is actually letting go. Worship is actually saying to God, as I said earlier, you're God and I'm not and I want to surrender to you in your way. And so I'll just say it this way. If you come, and you're moved in your heart, and you've been emotional, and you've felt deep things, if you feel like you've learned in a way that, like a nugget, and you've learned something that took you deeper about the truth of God and his word, if you had those experiences... But if there's no bowing down in your soul, then you have not worshiped. You have not worshiped. If there's no bowing down in your soul. If you can come to church week after week after week after week, after year after year, and you're not changed, you're not worshiping. You're not worshiping. You can sing at the top of your lungs. You can raise your hands to the roof. You can shout to the moon. You can swing that body to the side. But if there is no bowing down, no bowing down, if there is no kneeling, if there is no surrender, then it's just an emotional, self-focused experience, preoccupation with self. If after all the singing and all the teaching and all the praying and all the giving, there is no fundamental change in the way you live, if there is no change in your character, if there is no repenting from your sins, if there is no growth in personal holiness, if there is no fruit of the Spirit, then you are not passionately worshiping God. Passionate worship leads to that. It leads to a change in you. Worship demands all of you, your feelings, your mind, your will, all of you, all of you. So this week, I was struggling, just things to kind of struggle with in life. And I knew I was going to be talking about worship today. And and I was kind of having some anxiety. And in the middle of that, um, Kim said, hey, there's this verse I focused on today in this book that she's reading on how the Holy Spirit works in us. And and she said, I said, well, what was it? And she told me, and it's the next verse on your notes. And I'm going to invite the band, the singers to come out, because they're going to lead us to sing in just a minute. Um, but it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all, who with, who with unveiled faces. He's just gone on to talk about we did have veiled faces because of Jesus they've been unveiled. Contemplate the Lord's glory. That's the key thing there, folks. Contemplate the Lord's glory. That's what I was challenged with this week. I was preoccupied with myself. My own abilities, my own strengths, my own resources, preoccupied with me. And Kim just said that to me, and I don't know if she knew exactly what I was struggling with, but there was a call for me to contemplate the Lord's glory. Contemplate his glory. And that's what we do when we come together. And then look what happens. As we do that, we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Why do we do that? Why do we do this? Because we're transformed. We're transformed. And we experience intimacy with him. And when it says we have ever increasing glory, what that means is that we're not going to become like God. But what it means is when people see us, they'll say, I want to know the God they know. I want to know that God. I want to experience him. And we're going to sing about him right now. We're going to sing a song that's called Great Are You Lord. And so we're going to engage together. Some of you will hum. (laughs) Others of you will sing. Some of you might dance. Wave your arms. Whatever you feel is appropriate for your expression right now, as we feel, as we think, and as we submit, our will to him as we sing this song. I'm going to ask you to stand and then after we sing this, I'm going to come back and we'll pray together.
1: to the dark
0: to give you a big clap right now we want to thank you for being a great God we want to pour out our praise to you through our hands through our praise through our breath and God we thank you so much for the people who are here today I pray Jesus that inside every one of us has been stirred today this urge to worship you with everything more and more God that there is no shame in this message today that there is only freedom freedom as we just get washed by grace and washed by your love and we understand what you've done for each one of us and that we want to be able then for the world to know the wonder of you, God, that then we would want to express it. We would want to express it through our music and the ability to sing, and we would give ourselves over to that because you want us to be in touch with our feelings, the things that are inside that you want to heal, that you want to bring out, that you want us to express, and that you would touch our minds, that you would teach us truth so that we would be able to live lives based on the truth of your word, not the truth of culture and what culture is teaching us today, but we would listen to the truth of what you would call us. And God, I pray that we would learn to live submitted lives, surrender to you, that we would experience you and your glory and your presence, and that you would change us, transform us into the image of your son, and so that you get all the glory from what we do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.